This is DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. What's up, podcast? Today, I got Nate Edwards on. He works for the uh, Department of Defense, and I've known him for a few years now. And he, uh, I like to call you basically the home gym extraordinaire professional. You know everything there is to know about working at a home. And um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about what we're faced with right now. We got the, you know, coronavirus. Everyone's quarantined. No one can um, really get out and do anything. Everyone's been taken away from the gym. Um, we're dealing with a lot of stuff within, you know, our country. So I figured, hey, great time to bring you on. And thanks for coming on today, man. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Appreciate yep. it. So, uh, man, tell me how you got into, um, I guess, really just how it started off, how you got into fitness and uh, where you are now and, you know, to the Department of Defense and kind of that maybe just a summary from childhood to where you're at now. And I know you're a family man, got a wife in the military. So let's talk about all that. Yeah, man. All right. So it's an extra, extra long story, lots of twists and turns. But uh, the long and short of it is, you know, I grew up real, real poor uh, from Michigan, about as poor as you're ever going to get. But it, it kind of taught you a lot of things about what life is and what's not. And so out of that, you ever heard of the term like Midwest tough? Yep. All right. So where it comes from is that five months out of the year, it's cold like bitter, nasty cold. And there ain't much you can do unless either you're going to be working, you're going to be wrestling, you're going to play basketball, or you're going to lift weights. I mean, that's, or you play ice hockey, that's it. And so sports to me, because I grew up in like this black hole of not much opportunity um, from nowhere in Michigan. It's called Port Huron, Michigan, about 45 minutes northeast of Detroit. Um, it used to have a lot of tourism. It's where Thomas Jefferson, Thomas Everson came from. Hold on, my son. Hold on one second. My <laughs> all son. good. This all is real. Good. This is real. Yeah, all Hold good. On one second. This is what this is what you guys are dealing with at home right now. You know, in the garage, maybe try to work out. Kick him out there. You got to take care of him real quick, and then get back to it. So, um, just a, a quick insight while Nate's taking care of his uh, one of his. Yeah, there he is. All right, man. Come on, come on back. Hey, my man, man. You good? So I had I had the little dude. He was he was taking a nap. So usually most of the magic happens when he goes to sleep. So <clears throat> I have a nine and a six and a three year old. So what you do is you prioritize your throwdown times during the times that people are quiet. So anytime I get ninety minutes of freedom, it's go time. <laughs> so you, that's why that's where the home gym even came into, into existence yeah because i'm not gonna miss out on some on some opportunities to improve hey man so what, like coming from from the dirty mitten like i was saying old old michigan the uh there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities and so from the age of about five years old my grandmother Thank God that she thought like this because she didn't get she didn't get her, her education. She was one of twelve. My grandfather's one of sixteen. My other grandfather's one of twelve, and then another another one. My mom was one of ten, and so nobody really got their education. So from the age of five, it was always said you're going to get your education and you're going to get out of here. So every day of my life, when I would see her, you're going to get your education and get out of here. So very very high priority placed on school. But being that I was from a family of athletes, every one of my family members is a phenomenal athlete. Everyone. I mean, I'm the runt of everybody. And my sister's <laughs> six foot two. 
Well, I'd, I mean, I mean, I know how active you are, so I'd be afraid to meet them. I don't even know if I want to. <laughs> Man, well, I, I put it like this. I wasn't gifted with their athletic abilities. I'm smaller than them. I'm slower than them. And I'm not as strong as them. But yeah. I had my mind was harder than everybody's. Sometimes so, that's what, I mean, that's the battle won right there. That's where, so I was given about half of their, their gifts. And then I took everything that maybe they would have faltered. So I was, I watched. So everything that I seen that they may have slipped up, I just didn't do. And the things that they wished they would have tried, I did. So <clears throat> where, where it all kind of started is my dad changed my whole life. I was about 12 years old. And he, he had been drinking at the time, and he didn't know what he even said. It changed the entire landscape of my life. And he said, <clears throat> if you want to be like everybody else, do what they do. If you want to be great, stay extra and do just a little bit more and watch what happens at the end. And so he didn't know this, but at 12 years old, I took every sentence of that. And so he said, don't tell it. it's not for anyone. It's for you. And it's only for you. And so every day after practice, I run five more sprints. Every day in the weight room, I do two more sets. Every time when we were studying, I do one more chapter. And so in the, in the span of, so from when I was about 14, I took it real seriously. From 14 till 18, all those minutes added up. In my senior year, you were grown men against little boys. Like yeah. It was a different, it's a different thing. Because I had years more experience accumulated by just chipping just a little bit more. Yep, makes sense. So, and with that whole thing coming from that black hole of there wasn't much opportunity and I never met a business owner. We all worked for business people. Yeah. Factory, you've worked, you worked in a factory, you sold, job, sold drugs, or you worked in a restaurant. And so I viewed athletics and academics as my way out. So when most people would quit, when it would get hard, like on that last wind sprint or if they didn't study for a test, in the back of my mind, I had this panic of, if I don't do this, I'm never getting out of here. And it's so cliche. It's like every movie you've ever seen yeah. in life. So cliche. You see the guy like, oh, man, I got to do this or I can't get out. But it's, it's 100%. Because um, we didn't physically have the money to pay for college. So if I didn't make it on grades and me just going hard, it wouldn't happen. And so I've been blessed with a great support system as far as people just, they knew to help me in my, whatever they could. It wasn't money. It was, Hey, you know, make sure that it's not loud so he can go to sleep. Or yeah. Hey, make sure that you, know, you give him a ride to school so he doesn't try to, cause I'd walk everywhere if I had to or on my bike. They would give him a ride to school so he saves his legs so that way he doesn't not tire for tonight's game. You know, things like that. So there was a lot of people along the ways that looked out for me because they seen something that I had or I thought I had that I was going to make it. It was just something in there that I wasn't going to quit. So you think that that ambition and that drive started when he told you that at 12 years old? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Because... And I, later on in life, I went, I've, I've talked to a lot of different mental health professionals, and you are what you repeatedly say and do. Yeah. So 
And after that, I think when I was about 15 years old, I adopted this, this slogan about myself. And it sounds crazy to even repeat it. But I used to tell myself that I was the baddest man that God ever created until you prove me wrong. And I'm coming back tomorrow and beat your ass. <laughs> I mean, that's every, it's working, apparently. It's working. <laughs> and, but every day I would say it. And yeah. so inside, I started building up this giant callus, this big chip on my shoulder of, I'm from small town, nowhere, Michigan. Nobody thinks that you can do it. You got to show them. And it carried me through a lot of cool places and took me to a lot of great things. But it, I mean, it also, it probably stunted some of my emotional growth along the way. And it took me years to unravel some of that. Yeah. But I think without, without somebody speaking that life into a kid, why would they believe it if you don't give them a chance and say, well, if not you, then who? Yeah. Some, somebody's going to do it. Or I'll put it like this. Somebody is going to be willing to pay the price when you're not. I agree. And so I've always taken that into everything that I've ever done. So after high school, like I was a four-sport four sport high school captain. So football, wrestling, baseball, and track. Um, and they made me choose in the spring between baseball and track because they were afraid I was going to get killed on the way between the baseball and the track meet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like driving to and from. Yeah. And so I chose track because, I mean, it's a co-ed sport. You get to go see other girls from other schools. And so I was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> to go see. And so it was cool. But in my senior year, unfortunately, it is, I'm telling you, it's cliche as it gets. It's straight movie cliche. So I'm showing off. There's scouts in the stands, and I'm showing off. I'm running a track play, and I get hit by a defensive lineman one way and my own lineman the other way. My knee hits the ground to the right, and my shoulders hit the ground to the left. Oh. So there goes all aspirations of college football because that definitely was my number one thing that I thought I was going to do. Yeah. And then I said, well, you know, six weeks of rehab, physical therapy. And then I had one shot left to make my college scholarship happen, and which was wrestling. So I said, okay, bomb every all chips on the table. And so I had one hell of a year going into there. And I was good. I was very good beforehand. Probably way better than football now looking back. But you know, the cool thing is to play football because that's where everybody wants to be. Yeah, that's what you do in high school, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then once I realized that that was the only way, couldn't nobody tell me nothing after that. So I, I approached every practice, every match, like somebody was trying to take food out of my mouth. And so I got, I got to the state championships. I was, I think that I was supposed to, I was favored to win it. And then I had a setback in the semifinals. I, I almost lost I almost completely broke down, lost. I thought it was over. And then I won one to come back. I was going for third place, dropped another one. And I, I just could not mentally rebound. And I said, you know what? I have the last high school match in my, ever in my career. And so I went out there and beat the brakes off the dude. And then that's the match that my college coach seen. And that that's how I got to Central Michigan where I was at. So okay. at Central Michigan, wrestled one of the best programs in the country. I went in as an 18-year-old, stubborn ass. I didn't really – I had no good coaching at the time. I was just a tough kid. Yeah. And I really 
I really didn't even belong there. It was like, like physically I was strong and mean, but technically I was far, far less talented than the guys that were there. Some of them were junior world national championship. I mean, junior world champions. I mean, excellent, excellent competitors. But that 12-year-old mentality that got pushed in my brain not only got me to there, but it made me say, okay, I see that you're better than me now. The people that are better than me and I can't beat, I'm going to make sure that I smash you every day. And for the rest of these four years, that not only will be equals, but then I'll be better than you. And so that's kind of was that journey of it. And then it was just still that small town chip on your shoulder of like, I still got something to prove. And it, luckily it showed me there was a pathway. So I was going as a cardiologist. So that was, I was in a cardiology path. So my, my undergraduate is cardio, cardiovascular rehabilitation. So I was on track to be a cardiologist. I went and did some observations and did some experiences. I absolutely hated it. Because I was telling everybody, every person every day that they're going to die. It's just not a good, it's not a good feeling to me. And so right. I said, man, I'm already getting them before that I can help. Like if I just got them before they got to yeah, the makes hospital. Sense. Yeah. So I'm a reactive kind of player and I'm already dealing with broken pieces. So what I did, and I said, you know what? I love my strength coaches and I love being strong. Lifting weights has always been a gift. So even I should have known where I was going to be way long ago. Cause I think at like eight years old, I asked for a weight set, a little water weight set. I had a, <laughs> mini, yeah. I, had a yeah, I had a little miniature yeah. water set yeah. with uh, water in there, dumbbells yeah. and all that. <laughs> and so <laughs> I asked my strength coach and he, he was real cool, straight shooter. I was like, Hey man, how did you get to do this? And he was like, well, you need to apply for an internship. So I had no money, but I figured it out. Took back bottles because in Michigan you get uh, um, it's soda or Coke, so I don't even call it because I'm in the South. You know what it is? <laughs> but it's it's, uh, it's bottle return for ten cents a bottle. I took back as many bottles as I could find. You know, bank bar and stole three hundred bucks for postage to every major university in the country. And so I applied to Olympic Training Center. Applied everywhere. Damn. Uh, and so got turned down by the training center, which was a blessing because, I mean, truly, they said, we thank you for your application. You just don't have necessary experience here. And so, cool. I mean, a good, good pat on the back, but still suck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I was in a, I will never forget this. I was in a nutrition, I was in a nutritional assessment class and I was doing some, I was doing like a calculation and my phone rings and I just got a phone. I just got a phone. I was 21 years old. Very first time I didn't get a cell phone, I was 21 years old. Um, cell phone's buzzing in my pocket. I go outside, it's the head coach from Auburn, Kevin Yaxel. And he said, hey, um, we got your email, or we got your um, resume. We'd love to have you down for an interview. And without hesitation, I said, yes, sir. I'll be there when, when, when you want me. I'd never flown a day in my life. <laughs> I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't, know yeah. I didn't have a suit. I didn't have, I didn't have anything. So I had to borrow a hundred bucks from my mom to get like this bootleg suit from like one of those, one of those like regular places in the mall. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Two for one. Two for one. Yeah, you, exactly. With the matching, with the yeah. matching uh, vest. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got that and I got, I didn't know I got like a loud color. It was like gray. So I, I looked halfway presentable. Then I got, 
I got one of my cousins to co-sign on me for to give me some money for a plane ticket and then uh, for the rental car. I'd never flown in my life. I had never been out of Michigan except for like on a trip that we went to like Disney World or something. We drove. Yeah. And then I never, I never rented a car. I didn't know, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to fill that out. But I said, you know what? I put myself out there. I'm going down there and I'm going to figure it out. And so I went down there, gave the interview. And I thank the Lord that, he, that I got pushed through that because that day, that day set the course of everything else. Because once I, because at that year, Auburn went 13 and 0 and they got denied for the national championship. Damn. Uh, yeah, okay. So, here's this. That was, uh, I went there in the summer of 2005. Okay. Or, excuse me, spring of 05. Okay. Cadillac Williams and Ronnie and, okay. and the, uh, the whole crew was there. Yeah. So, I was right at the tail end of that crazy hype. Yeah. So, a $50 million budget. I oh. never seen anything like that. Yeah. So, if you they said, had some hey, equipment, they had some equipment. Crazy room I ever seen. It, I would go down to the equipment manager and say, "Hey, man, I need I need two pair of cleats. I need three shorts and a jug of protein." All right, cool. Sign right here. Here you go. No big deal. And then that was an amazing experience to kind of figure out like I belong. Like if I'm at the number one program in the country, it kind of reaffirmed the small the small town kid from Michigan. That is basically like Rudy. Yeah. That you, that you belong. And so I said, okay. And then I get there and I'm like, ah, yes, I'm going to be the graduate assistant there. And then the coach said, man, something happened. You know, we don't have the, the space. It turns out he's taken, it took him another year to finish the school. We don't have space. And so he said, well, okay, you know, I'll just go try to be a coach, you know, somewhere else. And he said, no, I mean, I, I'll give you the honest. You have to have a master's degree. I'm like, well, why didn't nobody tell me? I didn't apply for graduate school. I didn't take my GRE. I didn't take nothing. Yeah. And so that day, I had to enroll for my GRE. I had to drive an hour to Columbus, Georgia to take the thing. Then I had, um, once again, buy $300 more in postage that I didn't have uh, to all of the major universities in the country again. And everybody was already so late when I was applying that they already filled their graduate assistant. Yeah. And so... The University of Washington agreed, and then the Citadel agreed. One was 32 hours west, and one was 16 hours um, from Michigan. But my father had a stroke when I was about 20 years old, and it, it really kind of weirded me out to be that far away. Right. So if I had to get back, I could get back. Yeah. And then, um, so... I was, I was at, uh, my cousin had a dial-up internet, you know, that made all the crazy noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I came home from listening Auburn. Probably are watching, probably don't know about that, but yeah. No, nah, they don't know. They made all the crazy noises. Hey, YouTube, it, it'll come up. That sound yeah. will come up. <laughs> <laughs> the dial-up internet. But we were looking at it, MapQuest, no joke, and we tracked it, 32 hours and then Man. 16 hours. And so that's, that's how I made my choice between Washington and the Citadel. Yeah. And so... I went to the Citadel, man. The military college down in South Carolina. And so went down there, complete change of life. We went from a $50 million budget to nothing. Yeah. To absolutely nothing. Like when we went there, it's not now. It's cool now. Like if you go on their Instagram page, like Coach D is an awesome job. Yeah. But when we were there, we basically built that weight room. Not ba- we literally built that weight room. So 
we would call fabrication shops. We would take old railroad ties and go haul them off in this little Chevy S10 truck that one of my coworkers had and have fabrication shops make farmer walk handles out of them for 50 bucks. Or calling up, yeah, calling up breweries and figuring out how to pop the cap off there to fill up with sand to get implements and taking old hula hoops and making making uh, uh, agility drills. I'm talking about <laughs> like MacGyver. That's where you got your creativity from. Okay, hey, I see. And I was like, man, how does hey, this dude come up with some of the stuff he does? <laughs> man, and you know, you, you know, what, you know, hey, man, if anybody's watching or listening, this dude can tell you how to work out with anything. <laughs> with a rock, I'm telling you, it could be a string. So it, that's where, like, out of necessity, because when you don't have it, but you still got a job to do, yep. they still expect that job. That's right. And so at the Citadel, guess how much money I was making a year? Just wild guess. Man, 24000 you, Man, I'd be rich. Hey, <laughs> $7,000. Damn. So $7,000, right? All right, so I'll tell you the real hustle. So I had just enough money to pay for my insurance for the little Dodge Neon that I had because I yeah. didn't have I mean, this tiny little car and I had to pay for my rent and that I had to wait for the cadets to get done eating so that way I could use my Tupperware to take, because they served it family style, to take anything that they weren't eating, put it in my Tupperware and then take the, take the bread and the peanut butter and jelly and put it in my backpack because there was no food, man. Yeah, so I mean, you want to talk about balling on the budget? You got to be yeah. real, real thrifty. So it it teaches you, and I I grew up being real broke, and like this, so it was no it was no big deal. Right. But essentially, I told my mom this years later after I had done you know all the good stuff. I said essentially I was homeless. Like I didn't really, I had a place to live, but I didn't have a bed for six months. Yeah. Like I didn't have I I could barely put my portion of the bills. She said, why didn't you tell me? Uh, that was never part of the deal. It don't want to work that, that way. Ain't nobody, no, ain't nobody going to help me but me. That's, that's right. It, I, I like that. See, I didn't know that about you because me, I come up, you know, we come up pretty broke and, you know, yeah. like people now, we're all so spoiled. We were talking about that a minute ago before we got on. Oh. We're all so spoiled, man. And um, these people who are so, have everything and, uh, and it sucks right now and you're losing a lot right now. You can't go do your extracurricular. You can't go get your hair done, your, your, your nails done. You can't go, you know, you can't go out to the bar and drink right now. All these things we take for granted, it humbles you, I think. I like, you know, it's, it's a bad thing going on, but it's a time where we can sit back and reflect, you know. Yep. And appreciate everybody's in the same situation. Yeah. And it, it equalizes everything. So yep. at face value, we're all just people. That's right. I mean, titles and dollars in the bank don't mean nothing. Oh. You got two arms, two legs, and a neck. It's, are you skilled or are you not? Yeah. Are you, do you have good character or do you not? It's, that's how I value people. So, after, like, even after the Citadel, like, after that, I figured out, like, that's not the realm for me, right? That's not, that's not where, I, I don't want 16 bosses every day telling me I'm wrong. And that yeah. everybody, you know, you're, you're kind of the... <laughs> Yeah. I graduated with my master's and I was like, ah, I'm never doing this again. Yeah. So when I went into the private sector. Here's where we get into the spoil part. That was a good segue, but okay. So we get into the spoil part. There's a there's a there's a pocket of wealth in Charleston, South Carolina that I've never seen in my life. I've never seen wealth like that. It it blows my mind. It was almost and I, I would tell people, I said, Man, just wait. 
I'm just waiting for somebody to pop that bubble because this is so crazy. It does not seem like it can even exist because from where I came from, like the house I grew up in was 60 grand, right? Maybe, maybe yeah. 60 yeah. Where I was training a man that was making $60,000 a day. So it like it that just blew my mind. Yeah. Right. And so I would bring the blue collar mentality to the white collar people. And that created this huge ripple. Like they needed it and they wanted it. Yeah. Because they're used to everybody, you know, kissing their ass because they're billionaires. Right. But then when you get me who treats everybody like they work in McDonald's and that you know, cusses them out just like I cuss out my cousin. I could care less. Yeah. And that I, I tell everybody, well, people, first and foremost, I'm a man. You're a man, first and foremost. You disrespect me. It's on site. Right. And that when when everybody understood it and there was that, that commonality that you may have somebody that was a teacher that I was training and you may have a billionaire that owns 17, 17 big corporations and you may have... Uh, quadriplegic that I have the next half an hour and I may have a 96 year old woman with a neck fusion the next half an hour it was such a cool thing to see that's I think where in between the Citadel and actual training general population people not athletes yeah I think that's where the creativity came because I I, I sat down one day and because I was scared training general people I thought it was my hurt because right you've been working going, with yeah, they're going from multi-million dollar athletes and special operators and people that do anything you want to somebody's grandmother or someone that just had a, a stroke or someone that had knee replacement. It, it made you come up with innovative solutions. And then I, I came up with everybody is the same. So don't ever train, don't ever train body parts, train movements. And okay. so how does the, how's the human body move? There's only certain ways a body can move. You know, you can squat, you can push, you can pull, you can reach, you can bend, you can twist, you can flex, you can extend. And then how many exercises can you do within those components to adapt it to that client that you have in front of you? Okay. Because if you can't adapt and you hurt the person, you hurt the person, you have no business. Right. And so it's so cool, like in this time of when people are freaking out and that we don't have a packed deck. And we don't have, we don't have, like, we can't go to the bar. Big deal. Can't so do anything, right? You can't do nothing. Like, right now, you cannot do anything. We go to the grocery store. Um, if you're essential work, if not, stay home. Well, I was, hey, I was there for a minute. They just sent me home. I mean, I'm glad. Because yeah. I can still do the same job. Like, this right here is what I do on a day, day-to-day basis. So, I, I am purely an educator Okay. So I don't train anybody. I didn't. Yeah. What are you, what are you doing for the DOD right now? <laughs> Elaborate. So, to the extent of where you can anyways. <laughs> so, all right. So right now, what I'm doing is for all 14,000 of our active duty and dependent population at Barstale. Okay. I am anything that is health related whatsoever. So I'm like the glue like the, I'm like the, the belly button of the whole base if it has to do with anything health-related. Okay. So I can connect you to the primary care team, mental health, family advocacy, 
if you need if you're having sleep issues i can send you to what's called a uh our we used to call it a BHOP now it's a primary care behavioral health health person um if you fail the pt test you have to come see me because now i have to teach you how to eat why to eat when to eat how to sleep what's what's up with your supplements um, running classes on not just how to pass the PT test, but how to max that thing. Because I try to tell people that a PT test is just a warm up to do anything else in life. Yeah. Run a mile and a half, push ups, sit ups, tape your legs, yeah. now I'm good. As soon as we run that, all right, cool, we're going to play basketball. What are we doing? Instead of this big thing of where it's centered around people having panic attacks because they're afraid they can't pass the PT test. Yeah. So I cannot have that on my conscience of, our GI Joes, for lack of a better term, like they are what stands between us and very, very bad people. Yep. I educate from the very bottom to the very top. So the youngest airman at 18 years old, first, first then doesn't know anything, all the way up to the generals. Mm-hmm. And I talk to all of them and I, I educate them on, you have the distinct opportunity to realize that you guys are professional athletes. So, and I break it down to them in this way because they all look at me like I'm nuts when I say that they're pro athletes. The only thing a professional athlete is, is excellent at their job and then physically fit enough to get that thing done. And so, if they're not excellent at their job, they're going to kill somebody. Yeah. A plane's going to crash, uh, food poisoning or whatever, whatever their job is, if they're not excellent at it, they're, they're going to get kicked out of the military. Anyways. Yeah. And then if they're not, if they're not physically fit enough to run, to drag a body, to jump over an obstacle, to make critical decisions when they're fatigued, they're going to, they put me at risk as well as them, because now I have to save you and me. Yeah. And so what's happening is there's the disconnect between what you have to do and what you need to do. So what you have to do is pass this PT test. That's BS. Yeah. What you need to do is enhance what you are as a human being. So a human being is, is a magnificent piece of machinery. You're only as smart as what you make yourself learn. You're only as strong as what you make yourself lift. And you're only as fit as what you make yourself move. That's it. Because it's a moldable piece of clay. And whatever you've done in the last 10 years is what you're going to present in front of me right now. Yeah. You're only as smart as what you did. You're only as strong as what you lifted and only as fit as what you moved. Yeah. And so not, that's not a death sentence. And I try not to like, oh, you know, dump on their parade. I tell them that your report card can start over today. So today you can make a new normal to where you have just changed what you are in the next 10 years. Because everybody that looks at me, they always think, oh, your genetics, oh, you, you just love doing this. Oh, no, yeah, man, I freaking yeah. hate getting up and training. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think I want to train yesterday? No. <laughs> <laughs> train yesterday? You're going to deal with screaming kids all day, trying yeah. to do homework, and then yeah. people peeing their pants, and then at the very end, when my wife comes home, I'm trying to help her out, and then I say, hey, man, I need to squeeze in the workout. Did I want to train? Absolutely not. I want to sit down and not talk to nobody. Yeah. But I know for a fact that I'll feel better. I'm a much nicer person when I train and that I did not work this hard for the last 25 years to let the just, day just, just sit on the recliner and get fat. Dude, because yeah. you know how many days it takes People to go do backwards? That, man. Dude, What's that? 
you know how many days it takes to go backwards? Man, seven. Dude, it's so depressing. All right, so you even the most highly trained athletes, it takes three days. Okay, I knew it was it was low. I couldn't remember the yeah. number, but I've heard it before. Yeah, dude, because for a highly trained weapon, yeah, in seventy two hours, you're less able to do that task than you were before. That's insane. It's it's ridiculous. That's crazy. Well, but back to what you were saying, <laughs> I, you got to be a firm believer in this, and I got to say this, but. I, and you probably are, I would assume you are, but hard work beats talent all day long, right? Every day. Okay. I just hey, want to make sure we're on the same page there. I want everybody to hear but, that. But you know what? I'll expand on that even more. Yeah. When you show up and you work harder than you think that you should, so right when you get to that point where you're like, this sucks. Yeah. And that's when you need to push start on your watch and your training session just begin. Right then, because right when you get out of that whole pampered mentality of this sucks, now you've officially started training and you're not working out anymore. Because now there's a purpose and you're getting past that. Mm, there's, there's something soft in everyone and I want to kill that thing. Yeah. And it, it's, there's something, it's that just enough thing. And so every year past about 25, that little voice of just enough gets louder and louder and louder until that's the voice you hear and you may train on the odd time we feel awesome. And so when you work hard consistently, you are more talented than the ones that started off like that. So yeah. it's, it's, the answer is both. So hard work can make you more talented. Of course, yeah. I can, I've met some freak athletes in my life and they have caught in hard L's because they don't work hard. Yeah. Because they got up and they got up and they had the ability and they just, you know, and then it just fizzles out. I get it. Hey, man. Now, the, the, the unicorn of all unicorns is when you meet somebody that is physically different and you know that you've met. They are physically just on a whole nother playing field. Mentally, too. Yeah. And that they, they combine that with that workman-like mentality of I'm going to show up and do a great job every day. That's, that's where you get like the super athletes is where they just don't stop. Yeah. Like it, it's something in them to where they have used everything that God has given them to the nth degree. That's, that's the, the difference between good and great. Yeah, that's rare. That's real rare. rare. Well, let me ask you this. You were talking about um, people panicking about just doing a PT test. Do you think, do you think yeah, I want to talk about that real quick. So do you think it's worse now than it was 10 or 20 years ago because we are so – it's got to be, right? Because we are so – we have so much more – we're just spoiled. I mean, we're spoiled. So it's like those things, anxiety, depression, all these things are self-inflicted because we are – you know, have everything at scale. All right, so now I'm 37 years old, right? right. So I'm at, I'm, I think I'm one of the last generations that still had pay phones and pagers. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so, like, it's right, like, I had technology, but it yep. wasn't all the way. Yeah. So, okay, so I pride myself on being a very hardworking individual and pretty tough but I am far less capable than my grandfather was. Right. 
who is far less capable than his grandfather was. And so over time, with the, the creature comforts that we have and that we don't have hard manual labor every day, yeah. we, we have become less. Like we're de-evolving what we're capable of. And that's why when people say, oh, what, aren't you overtraining? No. You're, you're sharpening the sword and keeping it what it should be. Yeah. And it's, it's, not, it's not a vanity thing. I could care less what I look like. It is not going to improve my domestic situation whatsoever. <laughs> it, it is not. And I will say that with all confidence yeah. because I tell people that you want to train for performance and the aesthetics will come. Because yeah, if you I train mean, really will. like an athlete, you will look like an athlete. Yeah. I made that, that shift uh, over, over a few years. I made that shift because I used to drink beer and eat pizza every day and just lift weights and go, go heavy. You know, my boys. And then I started making a shift into, you know, training MMA. You, you know all about that and doing yeah. all the weight cutting and stuff. And then it just co- it just comes. You just develop a, a physique yeah. just because you're working harder. Person. And then when, I'm, when we're talking about being less able – so it, it is really true, and it's oh, you know, this generation's so soft, and I yeah. can easily jump on that bandwagon, but I won't. No, and I, and I don't mean it like that. I just, you know, it, in perspective, you know, you know how it is, man. You, you, you I want to hear, yes. you know, you've seen two sides of it. So, so here's how I see it: is this generation is far smarter than we are, yeah, but have been held to a much less standard than we were. So when things get difficult, they quit. Because right now we don't have enough people knowing how to struggle. Yeah. Like people pissing and moaning about being in their house. You have a house. Exactly. That's, that's what I go to. I mean, what? every time. Like you, you, you're pissed off because your coffee's messed up. You got the money to buy a coffee. Wait, you got a car to drive there to get the coffee. You know what I mean? Hey. So it's, it's trying to like figure out, like, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Like, I think yeah. we're so far away from being uncomfortable that we only do just enough what we have to do to get by. And then we're looking for the weekend as opposed to appreciating what is the journey to get to where you're going. Like, there is no end game. It's just trying to find out different things that you can sharpen yourself on. That's why... Life is such a cool thing, and there's so many people that die with regrets because they do not investigate its fullest capability. I completely agree. And the older and that, you get, the more people you meet and the more culture you become, you really start elaborating on that. If you're someone who is an extrovert and wants to go out of your way to help people or do things, the more you see, you're like, damn, I could. These people died yesterday, and they were uncomfortable with their job for 20 years, but they were too scared to do it, you know? And then there's a lack of accountability because we don't hold our, ourselves accountable. Like we no, should. because it's somebody else's fault. Right. So here's, I always, I always love, I always love to, I tell a lot of people, I will fully admit when I'm wrong because I am. Yeah. But we're going to find a way to make it to where this doesn't ever happen again. Yep. Because I'm not above being wrong, but I damn sure don't like being wrong. I hate being wrong. I'm the same way. <laughs> you know? So, like, when someone tells you that there's a better way to improve your health, you probably should listen. Yeah. When someone tells you there's benefit to, to working smarter in what you're doing, you probably should listen. 
when someone tells you take the stairs, take the stairs. There's, and if given the choice, don't skimp on something that you should learn how to do the work. And so another little nugget that my pops told me, I, I forgot about this, that in that same sentence when he told me, if you all want to be regular, do what everybody else does. Yeah. He told, he told me if it's easy or free, give it back because you didn't earn it. I completely, I love that because another kind of a similar, you know, add on to that is basically you don't appreciate anything that you get for free. I really, no. I really believe that. And I've seen that more in business operations day to day now, you know? Yep. And so, you know, when somebody their whole life has been given things yeah. and that they, like they didn't buy their own car, yep. they didn't buy their own clothes, their money was never a thing because everything like, ah, oh, my, my refrigerator's not, not functioning just right. Ah, throw it out. We'll get another one. Yeah. Or, ah. You know, I don't really feel like working out. Let me just get a tummy tuck and mommy makeover. I'm not yep. really going to change my habits. Yep. No, the, the answer is just like, and I will really miss, I will really quote a great, great podcast that I've seen. He said, everything you want is on the other side of hard work. Oh, Mr. Tim Kennedy. Yeah. Everything. And I, I swear to God, me and him are related. Like, <laughs> Kennedy, Tim Kennedy and David Goggins, I swear to you, we could sit down and have conversations for years about just being okay with sacrificing and then looking back on it and appreciating how bad that sucked. Yeah. You don't have to like it. It doesn't have to be okay, but it has to be done. I agree. And anyone listening, if this ever reaches those hands or if you can share, we got to get Nate on their show. <laughs> yeah. Because it, that's the where – that's where – it's one of those deals that if, if, you, if you say it enough times and they understand that you truly care about them and it's not like, hey, you're a piece of shit. Like, I just want to tell you you're terrible. Right. I, honest to God, I love, I love watching the light bulb turn on when somebody really realizes that they are the only ones that can help themselves. Yep. And that I'm just trying to help you help yourself. All the answers are within. All yep. of them. You just have and to open that everybody's, door. Nah, everybody's looking for the guru. Yep. Everybody's looking for like who's going to help me do it the easiest. The, the best way that I can tell you is test out everything on yourself. See if it's valuable to you. Yep. Throw out the stuff that doesn't work and stay away from the ones that give you big promises. Makes so sense. like case in, yeah, case in point. So for anybody that, that is listening that is that has fallen victim to the whole New Year's resolution crap. So I will give you the cheat code right here, right now. <laughs> you can verbatim, you can write it down. And if I offend somebody, by all means you That'll can email right. me and call me and that we can hash that out. It's okay. It's not personal. So here is the long and short of the whole thing. You will never, ever, ever in your life outwork your fork, your knife, or your glass. Ever. Because you cannot out-train bad diet, ever. It is so easy to consume calories, so difficult to get them off of oh. Right? So, like, Chili's, Chili's has an appetizer. Uh, chili cheese fries. Tastes amazing, right? Yeah. It's a little dish right yeah. here. 2,400 calories in it. Right? Yeah. 
one appetizer, and just that one appetizer, if you eat that by yourself, it'd take the average 175-pound man running three, three hours and 42 minutes, and the average lady four hours and 42 minutes. It's insane. And there's Ridiculous. People, there's people that consume that on a daily basis. Yeah, so like it, yeah. So that is number one, is just know that you can't, Say I'm just gonna go for a run and then it's getting erased. It doesn't work. Right. No, it's got you gotta go for a run every day as hard as you fucking can. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Just remember if you're red faced and hateful every day of your life, you're gonna be okay. Right? And then number two is if anybody if there's a number attached to a, a bogus claim like twenty eight day body fat loss, seventy two hour cleanse, set our detox anything. Stay far, far away. If it has a number and a claim, don't ever touch it. Because all they're selling you is insecurity in a box. Yep. Okay? So anybody that says 28-day, the, the basis of the whole thing is they're modifying the things that you're eating. So they're telling you, do not eat processed foods. Right. Try to limit your cheese. Don't drink alcohol. Exercise every day. Go to sleep and take out proprietary vitamins. That's the hundred percent the four things that they're going to give you in any of the the get slim quick fixes. Yeah. And then they put a day on it, a day limit. So whenever that day limits up, someone may be done with it. And then, like you said, seventy two hours oh, for high trained train athlete, seventy two hours. So probably twenty four hours for a regular person falls right yeah, back. Dude. That happens. And then, and then any detoxes, stay away from that stuff. Because you know, there's there's one thing that'll detox your body. It's your liver. Yeah. If you're taking some milk thistle to help your liver better filter things out, great. But you got kidneys and you got liver that get things out of your body. A detox tea is nothing more than loose leaf tea that may contain some herbs and spices. Yeah. So please do not pay sixty five bucks for fit tea or whatever it is, if you like to taste great, but it's one of those things that my whole job in life is to just take away the BS and just to tell you it's very simple. Go to sleep between six and eight hours of actual sleep. And I can, if, if anybody reaches out on any platform, I help them out with, I can care less. I tell you all the, all the tricks and how you can get to a great night's sleep. If you are eating things that grew out of the ground or had parents, you're in the right way. <laughs> if you're drinking half your body weight, half your body weight in ounces in water, you're in the right way. And then if you move every day of your life like you mean it, and if I were to come up to you and say, hey, what's up, DJ, how you doing? If you can answer me right out, you ain't going hard. Yeah. If that's how you live life, I promise you, you will never have a weight issue. You should... In, it's the grew out of the ground and having parents is what gives people the biggest problem. Of it's course. Because yeah. inherently we know that it's good for us, but it's not what we want. Exactly. Because we yes. have access to everything else. <laughs> no, the pack of Oreos or whatever it may be. You know, the saddest part is, is it takes them developing something that is worth their time to make that change. Yeah. So when I console people, when I, when I consult with them and I say, well, why are you really here? What do you really want to get out of it? Until yeah. they can define a good enough reason to not to quit, it, they're probably going to do the same yo-yo thing. So, and so it's, it's sad. 
Everyone has their reason, though. I mean, I talked to someone not too long ago. It's been a few months, probably, but she had lost like 150 pounds, and I said, "That's amazing." What? How? What made you do that all of a sudden? Like, there's a, a light clicked on. Her mom died from obesity. Her grandmother died from obesity. I mean, it takes sometimes it takes a drastic shift, but now, even though that may be hereditary because it happens, you can still beat it. You know, because you, hey. you started a new cycle and you're and it feeds down to your children and your grandchildren. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Because I have every major risk factor that you could have. Yep. Everyone. Heart. I mean, on both sides, heart disease, diabetes, you have yep. hypertension, um, drug abuse, alcohol addiction, you yep. name it. It's right there. It's yep. just the choices that we choose to make. And really and truly, man, you're not guaranteed a whole lot of time on this earth. No. Nope. So gotta live like I would, tomorrow. Nah, man. So like, if I, if I did check out tomorrow, at least every day that I lived up until then, you squeezed every ounce out of that, and you felt good every day. I don't think people understand. You don't know what you don't know, so you don't even know you can feel that good. Yeah. If you used to feel like, oh God, you drink a bottle of wine at night to go to sleep, <laughs> and it, it, you drink a bottle of wine to go to sleep. And then uh, uh, <laughs> a pot of coffee to get up. Yep. And then it's fast food, everything in between. Yep. It can, you can really feel bad, and that just becomes the new normal. Yeah. And you don't even know. And then when you really feel good one day, you're like, damn, okay, this is what it feels like. Yeah, man. Let me ask you this I, real quick. Let me up? ask you this. Um, so, because we don't have much time, but I want to talk about this real quick. And I want to, if you can elaborate on some quick things people may can do to get active at, how, at the house, you know? Because I want everyone to get some value out of this. Um, and so when you had kids, you work your ass off, you grind your ass off. You've had, you know, you've been through all the trials and tribulations already. And you're, you're at where you're at now. When you had kids, did you change your mentality more of a legacy mentality than just yes. grass? Okay. Everything that I do is because of them. Because they only do what you teach them. Right. Because you are their teacher 24 hours a day. Yeah. They do, it's normal to them. My son goes up to me and goes, I'm so strong. Like, I don't say nothing. Yeah. He, he, he thinks it's normal that he can do pull-ups. The dude was three years old. That's insane. So they had him doing high knees and push-ups and jumping jacks. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And so you can do it with them. Anything, any exercise that you can do, a kid can do. So if you picked, okay, we're going to body weight squat. Or you can pick, they have them little TikTok dancing things. So dance with them. Yeah. Or if, if you, you say, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to turn, we're, for 20 minutes, we're going to say, okay, I'm going to do a plank for a minute. Then we're going to do sit up for a minute. And then we're going we're gonna to run to the back fence as many times as we can for a minute. And then we're going to rest for two minutes to get a drink and then do it again. The kid has no idea. They don't really have a choice. <laughs> They don't really have a choice what's going on. Yeah, little dude trying to bust in. There's a... They don't really have a choice of what's going on and that they... Really, they can only do what, what you let them do. And so, if you encourage a healthy lifestyle and if you get down and say, all right, here's what we're doing. We're exercising. This is part of, part of homeschooling. It's PE. Yeah. So, you got you to gotta get down with them. Even if, like... I. Yesterday, I said, all right, you, we have this little cul-de-sac. And outside, almost you can see this. But I'm going to take you out. 
Yeah. So we got this cul-de-sac out here, right? Yeah. And so it's a it's a big circle. So I told each one of the kids, I said, all right, here's the deal. You can't go ride your bikes or, or try to pester me until you run around this cul-de-sac six times. Okay. I don't care if you do it all at once. I don't care if you do want to take a break. Doesn't matter, but six times as fast as you can. And so after their six times, guess who got to go play with their stuff? Yeah. It's just trying to trying to keep them trying to keep them moving. Trying to because all they're going to do if they stay in your house, they're going to eat all your snacks. Yeah. They're going to get in the fights. You got you're going to want to whoop them. I mean, well, I guess you're not supposed to say whoop them. <laughs> it is what it is. My kids know about about a belt or two. Yep. Allegedly. <laughs> That's what it is. The key to it is, man. Hey, the key to it is, you don't you don't have to have this perfect setup. You can pick three things and say, for twenty minutes, I'm going to do these three things. Yeah. It could be carrying buckets of water down the street. I don't care what it is. Do something. But YouTube, okay. If you have if you have a phone in your pocket, you have the answer. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a perfect answer. It's just an answer. Just do you something. Can't, you can't say, oh, I don't have no weights in my house. I can't work out. Or, you know. Man. There's no excuse. And last time, I bet you last time they did landscaping in the yard, they were tired. Yeah. You got some sand. You got some, some um, you got a shovel. Yep. You got, you got anything. <coughs> you have stairs in your house. I bet you run them stairs for 15 minutes and tore you up. Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe maybe you don't want to. What if you don't want to exercise? Well, exercise your brain, you know. Yeah. Or learn, learn how to prepare healthy meals. Yeah. Like, if you're, not a, if you're not an exerciser, that's fine. And not everybody likes it. And I'm completely compassionate with that. Like, yeah. not everybody wants to move. And that's okay. Even if you just get into, okay, I want to stretch. Yeah. Or I want to stretch and I'm going to learn how to prepare healthier meals. So, even if it's Philly cheesesteaks, guarantee you, you go on Pinterest I found a low-carb, high-protein Philly cheesesteak skillet, which was fire. Sounds good. So you can you can make it whatever you want. It's just what's important to you. Yeah. Well, and that and that and man, just trying your very best to to be positive. I know everybody's situation is different. Some people are not getting. I mean, their, their jobs have completely cut off income. Yeah. Some people some people are really wondering what's the next step. I promise you, sitting in self pity on your couch is not going to help. It, I agree. If you if you exercise and get your heart moving, I guarantee you, you come up with better ideas of how to make a hustle, how to make a doubt. You got you got to get up and move, and then magically you're in a better thought process, and that you can make good decisions on how you can help your family after this. Yeah, I agree. Well, man, I don't want to keep you from those kids too long, and I appreciate you. No, man. <laughs> but um, is there anything I appreciate that all the insight and honestly, I hope everyone listening or watching got a little bit from this and can, you know, be productive during this downtime, you know, what we're dealing with. Is there anything else you want to add, man, before we wrap up? Yeah, just appreciate the t instead of I mean, granted, I feel the same way. I get frustrated with children, you know, you're trying to do everything and be everything while you're here and stuff. Instead of thinking that I have to do this, think of maybe this is the, the only time that you're going to ever be able to get to do this. Maybe. Because they're going to be out of the house before you know it. And that you're going to look back and go, damn, I had one or two months to really, really sit down and tell them the story of how me and your mom met, 
or tell them about grandkids or teach them how to do something maybe your grandfather taught you how to do. Take that kind of approach and how you can make your family stronger in this time as opposed to only focusing on the stuff you can't do. Yeah. That's some good insight, man. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you coming on, bro. Um, Normally, I give... Thank you. Yeah. Normally, I give my guests gifts, but since we can't (laughs) see each other twice right now, um, I have something for you. I'm going to email you. I have you a gift certificate to Ironworks. Um, I'm sure you know Ironworks. That's that's my people. Um, Yeah, Chris is a great guy, and it's a local business, so... um, I'm going to shoot you that gift card, man. And um, just for taking the time out of your day to be on my show. And um, I appreciate it, bro. Hey, man, thank you very much. If you got any more questions, feel free and I'll clear it up. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Everyone, please subscribe to the podcast.